Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. A year of conversations. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, most of my memories, my great memories in life, uh, revolve around a conversation. Most of the time, the conversation's somewhere um, interesting because I think environments um, change the way that we speak to each other. And uh, I can remember um, sitting in Qatar for 20 hours with Ben Madden Holmes. I don't know if he's here, there he's over there. And we just had just one of the great conversations. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, just enjoying, you know, discussing our philosophies of life and, 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 um, and uh, politics and, and our interests and, you know, family and business and all those different things. And this is a great conversation. I've shared with you before. I had sitting at a Peking duck restaurant in Beijing with the, the communist head of repatriation of bodies from Australia to China about, um, Jesus and Confucius. And uh, what an amazing conversation that was, you know. But so I, I can remember when John Kingston came back from uh, going to the Augusta National Golf Course and just having a conversation with him about how amazing the grass is at Augusta National. I know, I know, I don't know if you've ever watched, if you, even if you don't like golf, you need to watch, you know, you need to watch that um, competition just to admire the grass. It's unbelievable. And uh, he was, he, it was that amazing that he would, you know, he would touch it just to see if it was real while he was standing on it. And, uh, just some amazing conversations. And, and, uh, you know, I recently had a conversation with, uh, a, company secretary of the Australian Stock Exchange and, and she was just had phenomenal stories to tell and, and you know and, and the interaction was just it was just fulfilling. And then on the other hand, um, a lot of my worst experiences are, are around conversations as well. And I'm not going to repeat any of those because they're uh, you know most of them probably involve you guys and and uh, and and re- require me to repent at some point, which I tend to have to do each Sunday. So uh for the previous Sunday, but isn't it interesting that that um, you know that how much conversation drives our lives? So every every year, um, there's there's three Dwayne Potter, Ross Martin, and myself for the last twelve years have celebrated each other's birthdays, and uh, when we do that, um, some of the times I wonder at the end of the night why we even bother because the conversations are that bad, and. Um, yeah. We've invented a, a, um, an illness and it's called EGO and it's called, which means eyes glazing over. And, uh, if someone talks to me about superannuation or, or IT for more, or cyber security for more than five minutes, you know, I tend to, uh, achieve the EGO problem. And, uh, I think, see, some of you have got it now, just me mentioning cyber security. <laughs> I can remember standing in, in a studio with, with, um, Nathan and Jamie and Anthony Park over in, in, um, Nashville, one of the great studios of the world. I think it's called Blackbird Studios. And we stood in this most amazing room and had a conversation with an engineer about, um, about the only 5.1 surround sound recording of Michael Jackson's thriller on the planet that you could only hear in that room. And we had this beautiful conversation. Then we stood and just listened to it. And, and, uh, it was one of the most great, it was one of the great experiences. And, uh, to be in that space and having such an inspired conversation and then hear the, the fruit of that conversation was a, um, you know, was a special moment. And, uh, 
It's, it's where we live, isn't it? It's where we, it, it's where we, we, we gain our inspiration. You know, there's nothing worse than having an isolated experience. What do you do when you have an experience by yourself? You, you need to go back and tell someone about it. And it's important that we withdraw from time to time and have, um, and have alone time and silent time because in those experiences, we, we actually end up having conversations with God. I remember fondly um, on a, sitting in a basilica on a side street of Trastevere in, 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 um, in Rome, uh, having a conversation with God and, and, and just, you know, otherwise known as prayer. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special time when we can have the great conversations with God because they, they, they enrich in us. And, uh, so I want to encourage you that this year, I truly believe that when we put something out there, when we say this is what we want to do, I think God walks with us and he empowers us in us. I want to, I want to encourage you that this year there is a, there is a, the, the Holy Spirit is with us on this journey of conversations. He's with us in helping us navigate them, helping us acknowledge those elephants that are in the room and discussing them well with honour. And because conversations can be hard, can't they? You know, have you, I don't know, have, have you ever been in a conversation that's been hijacked? Have I been the person that's hijacked that conversation? Probably. And I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I have, sometimes I have triggers in conversations. I like to think of myself as having the ability to converse, but, uh, sometimes, you know, if someone says, I can't in a conversation, you know, I have a little internal, um, manifest, manifestation inside and uh, it takes all of me to not, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, respond in a manner that's not as encouraging that as I would like, you know. So what you mean is that up until now you haven't been able. Um, when someone says to me these, these two words, they should, as soon as a word, I, I, I have very little time for that person after that conversation and after those words because um, you know, uh, you know, God, I believe, you know, that God wants us to be present and engaged and informed and participating in processes. When you say they should, it means you need to immerse yourself in that if you believe. So I, I want to encourage you that sometimes even the triggers in conversations that stir you cause you to become um, better at conversing around those things. So acknowledging those elephants in the room make you better at the conversation. So this year we've set aside some time to have some com- conversations around polarising issues. We'll learn skills, we'll learn language and improve our talking. But remember this, above all, the gospel of Jesus is the most relevant thing in any conversation. You can learn, um, you can learn technique, you can learn, you can learn um, language, you can learn all these different things in life, but unless the gospel is in you, the technique and the language won't be enough. It'll run out at some point and you need some substance of God's kingdom within you that allows you to navigate past some triggers that you don't have the language to overcome in the moment. The Apostle Paul, towards the, uh, towards the end of 1 Corinthians, let me give you some context because the scripture that, that we're looking at for conversations this year is, is the, the Apostle Paul who, who spoke in the hall or the school of Tyrannus for two years, had conversations with the people of, of uh, Ephesus and Asia. And 
And so here he is. He's in these, he's in, he's in this school, but he, while he's there, he writes a letter to the Corinthian church. And, uh, in the, in, towards the end, I think it's in chapter four, right at, right in the, towards the end in chapter 14, he talks about how to run a church meeting. And this is what you need to do. And, and, and then at the end of that, he says, right at the last verse of chapter 14, he says, um, he says this. He says, let all things be done decently and in order. Right, so he's gone through all the practicals of how to run a church service, how to deal with the prophetic word and speaking in tongues and all these sorts of things that, that, um, that he, he brought order around. But then straight after that, he says this, these amazing words in, in starting from verse one in, in 15. He says, moreover, moreover, remember, technique is not enough. Everything, moreover, everything I've just said to you is great, but it's not enough. So moreover, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, Life is full of technique. You know, I go to many, many meetings in, in the, in the church world around church growth techniques, how to grow your church. And, you know, one of the, you know, what I've discovered is the greatest way to grow your church is to dive into the secret place of the most high God and discover what he's doing in your community and follow him with all your heart. Get the gospel living in you. Remind yourself that, that it's not technique that liveth in me. It's no longer I that liveth. It's no longer that technique that lives in me, but Christ who lives in me. Of him and through him and to him are all things. See, the gospel of Jesus is the great definer of attitudes and aspirations. See, the goal for, the goal for a, a, a church leader is not to have a big church. The goal of the church leader is to follow God. The goal of the church leader is to do what God asked him to do. The goal of the, the, goal of the, the, of the business person is not to make a fortune. The goal of the business person is to be obedient to God. We get caught up, because we're so caught up in the increase, um, sometimes we forget about the obedience and get caught in the technique. And I want to remind you this morning that as we step into a year of conversation, you're going to learn some language, you're going to learn some skills, you're going to become amazing orators of, of, um, of ideas and ideals and, and your opinions that just you know woo people into believing what you say. But at the end of the day, the apostle, like the Apostle Paul says, I count it all as nothing. I count it all as rubbish outside of Christ, outside of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus must live and breathe inside our lives for our conversations to hold any weight, to hold any value, and to hold any inspiration beyond this time on earth. He is the eternal living God. And we need to have an eternal living gospel as our motivation. So before you reason with anyone, ask yourself, what's, what's holding up your opinion? What's upholding your opinion? And it, and it you know, points to our, our scripture for the year, our core prayer and scripture for the year comes from Psalm 119 and it says this, Uphold me, Lord, 
according to your word that I may live. If we're upheld by anything other than God's word, our life is limited. Our life is limited to moments in time. Our life is limited to a strategy, a structure and a technique. When we're upheld by his word, all things are possible. When we're upheld by his word, we can allow someone to rant toward us their opinion and we don't become offended. We can allow someone can say a trigger word to us, but God has given us something greater. His word is His word is impressed upon us, and it's holding us up to the point that we are not we are not offended, and we are not swayed by the words of someone. But we are encouraged that God is in this moment and has an eternal plan for that person who's speaking to you right now. So it's time, church, for us to regain our voice of hope in the world. It's time for the sharpening of our ability to speak the truth in love, removing condemnation all the while, to learn to speak and to learn to listen. So I spoke to you about the Apostle Paul. What, if you, it's up on the screen, but if you, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19, verse 8, let's have a look there this morning. So Apostle Paul, you know, he's on this great journey, and uh, he's he's now in he's now in Ephesus, and he says this. Paul went into the synagogue. This is the Jewish synagogue, and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. So let's unpack that a little bit this morning. He spoke boldly, for three months. First thing Paul did was join the synagogue. He came to, he came to God's people with the story, with the story and the revelation of Jesus, where, you know, where he spoke with things concerning of the kingdom. What are things concerning of the kingdom? They involve many things, the sovereignty of God, of all people. If you're talking to God's people, you can use, uh, you can use a little bit more direct language because they, they have an understanding. If he was in the synagogue, people knew about the sovereignty of God. So he spoke about the sovereignty of God. They spoke about the, the favor of God, uh, toward them. And, and he spoke of humanity's, uh, subjection to him. Spoke about happiness in God. Spoke about obligations to God. He's, you know, the, those ideas that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He spoke of the old days that the Jews knew well where they violated the ways of God and the kingdom was was lost to mankind for a season until Jesus came and then the kingdom was restored. The kingdom was at hand, as Jesus said. He reasoned and he persuaded the things of the kingdom of God. He spoke argumentatively, he disputed with them, he gave reasons, he gave scriptural reasons, earthly reasons. He gave, he, he gave uh, people time to ask him questions. He spoke for three months. He didn't, you know, I think sometimes we get caught trying to win everything in the moment. 
Paul took three months to talk to people, three months of Saturdays, because the Sabbath, you know, they, they met together on, on a Saturday in the, in the, in the synagogue. So he had three months of Saturday to, to have these conversations with people. And he spoke in a dialogue manner. One of the great, um, you know, one of the great challenges that we find ourselves in the church today, which I mentioned previously, is that we've had a one-way conversation with the church for the last 50 years. And you look at Paul and he went into the synagogue and he went into the hall of Tyrannus and he had dialogue with people. He had a two-way conversations where things could be questions. You ever sit in church and you want to go, I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't know about that last comment. Can you, can you back it up with some scripture? Can you tell me something more? What have, have you thought about this? You know, sometimes it's in the dialogue that we, that we grow and that we stretch and that we gain revelation. That's why I love conversation so much because I get more revelation in the conversation than I do at any other place. Because, you know, when two or three are gathered in his name, when you're gathered with people, when, you know, you sharpen each other and the environment causes, you know, and even if you're speaking to, to an unbeliever, you know, God stirs you. His spirit leads you into truth that you didn't even know before the conversation. I think sometimes we find ourselves in life in situations that are more created uh, by our habits than an outside force. You know, I think we've found ourselves in a situation where the church doesn't have the voice that God intended it to have in 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 the world. And I don't. I think you know part of that is because of the way we've run services. Services have shifted over the centuries from a dialogue to a one-way conversation where people have, you know, someone has declared what the word of the Lord says instead of having a discussion around the things of God and the scriptures. So he spoke for three months, one day a week for three months. You know, we want, every, we want everything in a slogan. What's your campaign slogan? What's your vision slogan for the year? If you were to reduce your vision to one line, what would it be? We want something bite-sized that we can take with us, that we can remember. And I think, you know, why we're obsessed with with the short version of everything. But you think about God. God didn't give us one line vision. Get us 66 books that you've got to get through. They say 90% of the church hasn't read the Bible through. Obviously not this church, but other churches. gave us 66 books. He sacrificed his son. He left us with his Holy Spirit. He didn't just give us a one-line slogan. He gave us us everything that he had. God doesn't want us to reduce our life to one line. Turn or burn. Remember those old signs outside of churches? Turn or burn. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want some. He, he doesn't. He doesn't want a, a a transaction with you. He wants a relationship with you, and a relationship is grounded in a conversation. Here's the other battle. We spend too much energy attempting to win moments instead of allowing a person on the other side of the conversation to win eternal life. Ever notice in a conversation it becomes about winning the argument, becomes about getting your point across. The goal of the believer in a conversation is not to win the moment. The goal is that the other person would win, which means meeting Christ. What's a win? 
is the question that we need to ask ourselves in a conversation. Is win when you go, when, you, when you've been heard? Is that a win? Or is it a win when they meet Christ? It's an amazing, uh, uh, different thing, isn't it? But after, here's the thing. After three months of Saturdays, Paul, he leaves the, the synagogue. And, uh, you know, cause there was many, it says many had an aversion to the gospel. They struggled with, you know, they struggled with Christ because he wasn't the Messiah that they thought they were waiting for. They were waiting for someone to come with a different kind of power and with a lot less humility and a lot more uh, visible power. And so this Jesus didn't, he didn't fulfill their human expectations of what a Messiah would be like. So they, they rejected this message. So what did Paul do? He set up a meeting of his own. He set up a meeting of his own and he, as the Bible says, he disputed daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So Paul had a conversation in the middle of secular life. The middle of secular life is the education system. It's, it's schools, isn't it? It's universities. It's, 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 where we, it's where we go to talk about the ideals and the ideas of life. And so Paul sets up a conversation there. So here's the beauty of what just happened. He went from speaking once a week for three months to every single day for two years. So people who, you know, people who were scared to come to church because the roof might cave in on them or, or, or they weren't Jews and didn't feel like they could go to the synagogue could come at any time and discuss the things of life without the pressure of, of, of the, you know, the, the, um, the ceremony that comes in, in, in an organized meeting. They got to speak Every single day. They could come and go. They could argue. There was no, there was no rules. There was form. There was just a great conversation that kept going for two years. I think sometimes we limit God by making the church meeting the only place to see the gospel. And we limit ourselves to inviting someone to church. You know, the church is a bit of a daunting place to go to if you have never been before. They say most people that make a decision in church are people who have been in a church before. Most first-time decision-makers, are, are, are they come to meet God through a person outside of the church, through a conversation that they have, through an experience. They see the gospel. And here's the thing that we need to remember. The Bible says you are a living epistle. And here's what that means. Your life is a letter of, from God to humanity. That's what your life is. God penned a letter and it's your story, it's your life and it's visible at all times to humanity. Every now and then we take the pen off God and the story goes a little bit astray, you know what I mean, but then we give it back to God and he cleans that story back up. It's like, it's like Kristen said this morning, having to clean up after, um, mop up after Kristen and Christian's announcements each week. And uh, no. So remember where we started, you know, Paul's, he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, right? And where did he write it from? He wrote it from where we are, what we're talking about. He wrote that letter while he was having these amazing conversations with these, with the Gentiles from, from Ephesus and, and Asia. And he says in chapter 16, he says this, he mentions that he, a great and effective door has opened to me. And he was speaking of this, this school of Tyrannus that he was talking to people every day. And here's what, here's what it says. Um, back in Acts, it says, and all those that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. 
all of those in Asia, which was, you know, which Ephesus was the, was the capital of that region. And, and so, and, 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 uh, so not just the people, here's the amazing thing, not just the people who came to the hall, all of Asia didn't come to the school of Tyrannus, but all of Asia heard the gospel. Here's the amazing thing about what we're trying to establish in this church. We're trying to start a conversation that links to the rest of Noosa. See, sometimes we, what we don't realise is, is what we start doing, the conversations that we start have, having tend to flow on beyond the conversation. But you need a place to start. Paul established a place to have a conversation in the school of Tyrannus and he spoke there for two years and he spoke with however many people. But all of Asia heard the gospel. Can you even fathom the flow-on effect that happened there? Flows on, it goes on in verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and the evil spirit went out of them. God confirmed his word with power. The gospel is not just a conversation. The gospel carries power. We read at the start of John that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word. Jesus was the Gospel and Jesus walked in power. And when Jesus lives in you and you release his Word to humanity, you know what happens? Power happens. It begins with the Gospel. It begins with the story of Jesus. So when you're praying for someone's, for when you're praying for someone's healing, what you're actually praying is the gospel. And you, you know, you're praying for someone and you, you lay your hands on them and you say, Lord, I thank you that you came and that you died so that Christian could have eternal life. And I thank you that when you, when you, when you redeemed us, you redeemed us completely, body, soul and spirit. The gospel is always confirmed with power. When people, when people believe the gospel, lives are redeemed. The word must be in us. And we know that it's in us through our conversations. You know that God's word, his gospel, lives and breathes in you because it comes out in your conversations. So ask yourself, what is in my, what is the nature of my conversation? What are the nature of the things that, how do I respond to humanity in my life? Do I respond with the, with the grace and the mercy and the hope of the gospel or do I respond with something else? And sometimes we find ourselves getting caught responding to something else. Don't worry about that. It just means you need to get, you get, get back into the secret place of the Most High God. Spend some time with him. Allow yourself to be immersed in the gospel. One of our, one of our topics coming up is, um, you know, if you know, if if we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, how do you immerse someone in the Holy Spirit? Great conversation. You need to sign up for that one if you if you're interested. But here's the thing: sometimes the conversation takes three months of Saturdays. Sometimes it takes every day for two years. But let me tell you this: the power of God follows the gospel of Jesus, because at His name. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. See, we get caught up in the timing when we pray for someone, when we share the gospel. Uh, you know, we, the, the Bible says, um, doesn't say every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess immediately as you say his name. 
But every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't get caught up in the timing. Don't get caught up in, in, whether, in whether someone gets healed in front of you. Get caught up in obedience to the King of all kings. God's redemptive power follows his word. See, the conversations of life are vital for the hope of the world to be discovered and the redemption of Jesus to be accessed. So why do we keep our conversations light? We tend to, most of our conversations in life tend to be light. You know, I, stir, I gave a, uh, Dwayne and Ross a bit of a hard time, but, you know, we have a lot of light conversations. But there's substance in those relationships that we know that there's, the conversation is always there to be had if necessary. Sometimes we need light conversation. I don't know, you know, I come home from work sometimes and, uh, you know, I don't want to have another heavy conversation. I want to just have a light conversation. I want to watch some serious sport. And just watch people just, you know, just, it, it just do their thing. You know what I mean? And, and just, it just, you know, I don't know if you, if you've got, um, Foxtel sports, but you need to get it. It's, um, <laughs> you need to get it because, you know, I watched the NBA, um, all-star game the other day and it was, there was 179 three-pointers thrown. During that game, it was, a, it was a thing of beauty to watch. Alley-oops, three-pointers, you know, there, it was light, it was fun, it was amazing, but it's not enough to sustain life. But don't hate the lightness. Lightness is important. We need to engage with each other. Sometimes, you know, sometimes if you're so deep, you actually can't find someone because you start every conversation at full depth. If you start every conversation at full depth, you're probably going to be alone a lot. <laughs> You've got to work your way down, don't you? It's like a diver. You've actually got to equalise and get down to the deep things. So don't, don't worry about the shallow things, but don't live in the shallow waters because if you live in the shallow waters, you know what? Life's pretty dull. You can only listen to Dwayne Potter say the same joke a thousand times in a row if you know that every now and then there's a deep one following it. Here's why we, here's why we, though, we ignore the elephants in the room. We ignore the deep things because they reveal what's in us. I don't know if you've seen an elephant, but when an elephant leans on you, whatever's in you is going to leak out. <laughs> Got the word picture? They cause what is behind the facade to become visible. That's why we don't like them. Because when we approach those subjects, there's triggers in those subjects that reveal what's in us, what's really in us. The shallow conversations don't reveal anything, but the deep conversations reveal everything. So we'll take the year to learn to listen with an open mind and speak with loving wisdom. We don't take a conversation to the rest of the world straight away. We learn first to talk with our family before we rage against the machine or whatever we call it these days. We need to learn how to represent God's truth. And we do that. We represent God's truth as we discover, we, we, we allow Jesus to become our life. 
We don't just, you know, we don't just um, read about Jesus' life. We allow his life to be lived out through us. No longer I that live, no longer my strategy that lives within me, but Jesus who lives through me. Ian Bounds said this great statement. He says, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. People. Obviously he was pre-PC. God is looking for better people. Not better people as in better behaved people. Better people as in people who live and breathe his story, his ways, his words, his hope, his mercy, his substance. And I believe it's seen in the concept of transparency. You become see-through in your life. What, become, what, what is in you becomes visible. Here's the thing. If Christ is in you, then in your weakness they see Jesus' redemption and in your strength they see God's glory. So when the elephant squeezes you, People have already seen what's coming in. They've seen it in you because your life is transparent. Why doesn't the band jump up this morning? So here's the first challenge. Be transparent with God for his redemption. I don't know about you, but there's many areas of my life that, uh, that I'm still protecting. And when people see me, they see transparency in some areas, but they see, um, they see my protection in other areas. God wants us to be real with him. He wants us to have a transparent relationship with him. A lot of times we become transparent with people before we become transparent with God. And I want to encourage you, first, become transparent with God in your prayer and in your worship. You know, Come and open yourself up to the king of all kings before you open yourself up for people. And we, this, here's the thing, we're generally transparent first where our hope is. Where your hope is, is if your hope is in behaviour, first your transparency will be, will, will, will be in a conversation with someone who can help you in your behaviour. If you're transparent, if, you're, if your hope is in the cross, then your first place of transparency will be with God. So here it is, church. Today, I'd, as we sing, I'd love to open the, the front. Because for us to be able to be a church that has great conversations, first we need to be a transparent church. And we don't have the equipment right now to be transparent completely with each other. But God has the equipment for us to be transparent with him. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Will you allow God to see what's in you? What areas of your life are you protecting from the rest of the world? I understand why you protect them from the rest of the world. We all do it. We all have, we all have a history. We all have a story. We've all made mistakes. We're all, we're all covering up things. I want to encourage you this morning. Take a moment and come. And open your heart to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Allow him to do business with your heart this morning. Allow him to see beyond 
your protection. You don't need to share it with anyone. But I encourage you to take a moment. Take a moment this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to do business in your heart and in your mind and say, Lord, I don't have the courage to be transparent in front of men yet, but I have the courage this morning to be transparent with you. You don't need to share with the prayer team. You're welcome to if you want to. Let's come and recognise where our hope lies this morning and reveal our hearts, our brokenness, our strength, all that we are to the living God who has some fresh mercy to deposit in you this morning, who has some fresh hope to stir you with this morning, who has a grace that is sufficient for your life this morning. So if that's you, and I know it's many of you, it's actually all of you, but if that's stirring, if God's stirring your heart this morning to become transparent with him in a new way, then I'd love to invite you to come as we sing this last song. Let me pray for your Father, for your people. I ask that your blessing be upon them, your grace be in them, and that your word surround them, Father. We want to be able to to speak like Paul spoke and say it's no longer I that lives but Christ that lives in me. Father, may these words become our words. May your story become our story. May we become those living epistles that the Apostle Paul speaks of. May that letter that you're writing to the world be evident evident in our lives. Father, we come before you humbly and we ask that you would continue to speak life into us and through us. And as we converse with each other and the rest of the world this year, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us into truth and into comfort and into peace and into setting people free. May your truth set people free this year through our lips. We honour you, Lord. We thank you that you made yourself of no reputation. And Father, we respond, Father, to your name this morning. And we bow and we confess to your mighty name, that mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.